What about now? There we go. I like had messed with the switch and I couldn't tell where I was at. So had to try both. I'm in this really weird stage right now with this time of year where uh, I, I'm obese enough that I'm always warm, but I have enough surface area that it gets cold. So uh, I'll probably shed the jacket at some point, but we're going to start with it on for now. Um, you know, I, I got to be really honest with you guys. I love Christmas. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. Like our tree has been up for weeks now. Um, I just love everything about it. I love all the movies. I watch Christmas movies year round. I make no apologies about it. The Santa Claus is the only Santa Claus movie that needs to ever be seen, but I'll still watch all the other ones as well. I love the songs. I love the lights uh, and decorations that other people put up, right? Like I love your light displays. Put your lights up. That's great. I'm not going to put lights up. Uh, that just seems like a catastrophe waiting to happen involving ladders. My family doesn't have great track records with ladders. Uh, but I love the decorations that you put up, so keep doing it. I love spending time with family and gifts. If I am being frank with you, it is, they are my love language, right? My love language. You want to show me you love me, buy me a gift. I don't need to spend time with you. I don't need to ever see you, you know? <laughs> but if you bring me a gift... I know that you love me, and I feel it way deep down in my soul. Uh, it, it, I'm telling you, it's just my absolute favorite time of year. Uh, and, and because I love gifts so much, uh, I can't let myself lose sight of the real reason we celebrate Christmas, right? That's Jesus. He's the reason for the season. Happy birthday, Jesus. You know, all the tinsel and bells make the holiday swell, but it's all about you, right? It's about Jesus. Now, Contrary to popular belief for some, Jesus was not born on December 25th, 0000. Uh, probably really closer to some time in July. But uh, that doesn't, for me, take away the fact that we take time and spend time in this season focusing on what Jesus has done for us, right? And the greatest gifts that I've ever received are gifts that have come from Him. And so I want to focus on those for the next four weeks. And today, uh, we're going to talk about hope. But those gifts, their hope, their peace, their joy, and love. And these are the gifts that he gives us. And they're gifts that truly keep on giving. Now, as we celebrate the Christmas season, my hope is to inspire you to take some time to appreciate these gifts. Because I know how crazy this time of year is. I know how hectic this time of year is. Everybody's working. Lots of us are working more than one job. Uh, you're Christmas shopping like crazy. You're trying to find time to wrap things and, and just uh, go see Santa and just do all the things, right? Like there's so much involved in this time of year. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at least while we're here at church, we can just kind of stop and smell the roses, so to speak. The, think about the gifts that, that, that God has, has given us. And these gifts are gifts that cannot be purchased, and I think whose importance cannot be overstated. Now, the first great thing about receiving gifts to me is the anticipation. The first great thing about receiving gifts is the anticipation. I love the excitement and the waiting game as we approach Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Now, my family, my side of the family has always opened presents on Christmas Eve. We'd go to Christmas Eve service, which, by the way, if you're not planning on coming to that, change your plans, okay? I say that lovingly. It is literally my favorite service of the year every year. It, 
uh, is just such a powerful time together where we get to really reflect on all that Jesus has done and the coming of Jesus. And so if you can be here, be here, get your family here. Let's fill this place up. We'll light some candles. Uh, We will have uh, a candle lit. Like you'll have a chance to hold the flame. Okay, it'll be fantastic. And we got real drip protectors this year, not the ones I made out of styrofoam cups. We finally pulled the trigger, and uh, we're stepping our game up a little bit. Uh, just saying. I, I, first of all, pretty proud of the styrofoam cup drip protectors, just saying. Uh, ingenious, if you ask me, but I was the one that made them. Now, when I was younger, the anticipation of waiting for the gifts it was all about me. It was all about receiving the gifts. And let's be honest, it's my love language. Still pretty much like that part a whole lot, if I'm just being real with you. But right now in this moment, I love watching my girls open gifts, right? Cordelia and Winifred and Jerrica. I love buying gifts for them. I love the excitement they have as they're starting to tear the paper away. I love uh, just everything about that moment. And that excitement from them kind of fuels me, like it gets me through like the next four months of the year at least. The anticipation of the coming of Jesus is hope. The anticipation of the coming of Jesus is hope. And this hope was prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, Isaiah gives people multiple reasons to be hopeful about this coming king. First, he lets them know that the government will be on his shoulders. Now that uh, helps us kind of understand maybe a little bit of the confusion that people had about who they thought Jesus would be as Messiah, right? Uh, We talked about this in the past where they were kind of expecting like knight on white horse with sword to just come and like restore the kingdom of Israel in in a very tangible, real governmental type way. But this is actually figurative speech, okay? Figurative speech, making it clear that he would be a leader worthy to follow. And the reason that we need to understand that, because there is some significance in that wording in this time. Uh, The Messiah's leadership would be trustworthy. And that was special to the people who would hear this message from Isaiah because the leadership that they were under at this specific time was not. It was not ideal. It was not worthy of emulation. It was not worthy of being followed. It was corrupt. It was the opposite of what leadership in Israel should be, right? It was in no way, shape, or form godly. And so the Messiah's leadership would be. This would be godly leadership worthy to follow. And he would be a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. Here goes the jacket. And an everlasting fatherly figure and an instiller of peace. And beyond that, He would be above the corruption of the world. This is Jesus who doesn't play favorites. This is Jesus who can't be bribed. This is Jesus who is here for all mankind. And he would be instilled by the zeal of Yahweh their God. Now, they 
more than I think we understand just how powerful a statement that last statement is, that he would be instilled by the zeal of Yahweh their God. Because they have seen God move in mighty ways. They are not that far removed from the walls of Jericho falling. They are not that far removed from just the, the God moving in, in just catastrophic and yet awe-inspiring, powerful ways. In our world today, today, us, we find ourselves dealing with much of the same issues that they were dealing with in their time. Leadership is hard to trust doesn't matter where that leadership is coming from. It's hard to trust. People are focusing on self-fulfillment. Corruption is present. It feels like everywhere. And we are devolving in the name of progress. We are moving further away from God and saying that we are actually trying somehow to reach a pinnacle of society. And it's scary. I don't know if you're scared, but but I'm scared. And I, when I was younger, you know, middle school, high school days, and you'd hear older folk talk about uh, just how bad things have gotten and can't believe the way the world is today, I'd kind of laugh at it. Like, oh, they're just old, right? Like, they're just old. Old people are scared. That's what they do. But I was also somebody who didn't have life experience and had only kind of seen the world in one way. And now as I'm getting older, even from when I was in high school and middle school, I can look back and see how different things are than, you know, 15 years ago even, and just how crazy the world seems to be getting. And, and frankly, none of us should be surprised by that, right? We're, we're told that that's what's going to happen. The world is, is going to devolve. It's going to get worse. It's going to move further away from God before we see Christ coming again. And so it shouldn't be surprising to us, but at the same time, it's scary. It's scary. But in Christ, in the church, here in my interactions with you all at Crosspoint, I find myself hopeful and not hopeless. I find myself hopeful and not hopeless. And I think that that is the, the just absolute magnificence of the God we serve that even though our world is taking a turn for the worse, we still serve a powerful God who gives us reason to be hopeful because I still see the miraculous taking place every day. I still see God moving all the time. I see God answering prayers and I see God changing life and I see people turning away from the corruption that is caused by sin to follow a loving God. Jesus is our reason to hope in what otherwise feels like a hopeless situation. Jesus is our reason to hope in what otherwise feels like a hopeless situation. And I don't think that we can lose sight of that during this Christmas season. Okay? Now let's talk about gifts again. Oh, the same gift, but gifts. So here's the second great thing about gifts, if you ask me. It's realizing what you received, right? So I talked to you about the excitement, the girls, and even yourselves. You know what it's like. You start ripping paper off, and like you see a little bit of the box, and you're like, hmm, I wonder what this is. And it's like, my wife got me Legos. I'm 33. It'd still be kind of cool, but then you open the box, and it's not Legos, and you're like, yeah, well, I guess I didn't need them anyways, right? I'm just kidding. But you get all excited. You start to unwrap those presents. You get a little corner of what it is, and you start ripping faster this really happens with kids you know i'm delicate opening gifts i one 
tape at a time. Just kidding. Um, but it's, it's kind of recognizing and realizing what it is that you have been gifted. And, and you just get so pumped up for what's coming. And the fulfillment of getting the thing that you were hoping to receive is just the best, right? When you asked for something or you needed something or wives and husbands, when you kind of hinted at something like mid-October that you might want for Christmas and your wife or husband was actually listening, uh, usually the wife, uh, but gifts are my love language. So like I take notes. Like if Jericho says something in July, I have a little note in my phone. I take it. I buy it because, you know, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter, but the gifts show you that I love you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's sarcasm because she hates gifts and could care less about them and just wants to spend quality time, whatever that is, right? But realizing what you've received, and don't tell her I said that, okay? <laughs> Let's just be clear. She's not in here right now. She's working with the children. Let her live in love, okay? Let her live in love. Don't tell her I said that. But the fulfillment of getting what you were hoping for is just the best. And it's the same with Jesus, it's the same with Jesus. People realizing what they had in Jesus, and we see it repeatedly throughout Scripture. One of those instances, one of my favorite instances in Scripture where people come to the realization of what they have in Jesus, of the hope that they placed in Jesus, is in Luke chapter 5, 17. Uh, we'll go through 20. It said, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And if you haven't read that story before, the rest of the story ends by that paralyzed man getting up, picking up his mat, and walking out of the house. This is the realization of the hope that we have in Jesus personified. This is one of the greatest stories where the hope the desperation that someone had was answered in a powerful and tangible way by Jesus. His friends, faithful to get him before the Lord, not taking no for an answer, digging a hole through the roof to lower him down in front of Jesus, right? This man, paralyzed by his sins, has his sins forgiven. I mean, think about it. Jesus had built a little bit of a following by this point. People are starting to understand that wherever he is, good things are happening. These stories of the miraculous and how he has changed lives and how he has saved people are starting to kind of flow throughout culture and society. And, and really, to kind of take it back to Christmas, he's on everyone's Christmas list. Like, they all want the latest version of Jesus. Like, give me the Jesus 15 Pro Max, right? Like, we want the most biggest Jesus that we can get. Like, we just need us some Jesus. And they desire this because they're, they have hope that he can change life, that he can change life. And the hope that he can do that is still able to be realized by all of us today. 
Jesus gives this man his ability to walk again. He forgives him of his sins. He sends him on to a better, more fulfilling future. And it's representative of the hope that we have in Jesus. It's representative of the hope that we have in Jesus. This is the hope that we have in Jesus, that we can approach Jesus crippled by sin. We can experience grace and forgiveness, and we can leave his presence forever changed. That is as real and readily available to us today as it was when he was walking on this earth. And that is, to me, mind-blowing. But it also, to me, as I have grown in my relationship with Jesus, is not at all surprising. It's not at all surprising. The best thing about the hope that I think that we have in Jesus is this, that it's everlasting. It's everlasting. And I got to tell you, a good present is one that lasts. Now, I like good at times practical, I'm not always practical, I gotta be honest. Sometimes I just want something because it's got a laser and it shoots rockets, right? Like, it's cool. It goes pew pew, let me have it, okay? So, I'm not always the most practical individual. My wife, if she was in here, would laugh at that. But I do like good and at times practical gifts. I love things that are well-made, handcrafted. Like, I want things that are gonna last, that one day I'll be able to hand down to my children. You know, a, a really, really nice knife or a really, really nice watch or a really, really nice Bible or just things that you can have forever and then one day kind of leave behind as your legacy. I love those. I love those gifts more than anything. I have claimed every Bible belonging to a grandparent in my life. It's like the only, they, they ask us, what do you want? And I just say, I want your Bibles. Anything else you give me, great, but I want your Bibles. I have my great uh, grandma Katie B. Hawthorne's Bible in, in my room, and I open it up from time to time. I'll just, just random places, and I'll read it and just read her notes because she, she just she read her Bible every day, and she was in her Bible every day, and she was writing down things every day. And I don't know, it was actually given to my mom, and I have it, and I don't know if she knows that I have it, but she can't have it back now. So, uh, her fault, not mine, right? But I just love, I love just the wisdom that she had and that she shares. And, and she's been gone for, I mean, I was, I think I was eight years old and I'm 33 now. You do the math. It's, you know, I don't have time for that. 25 years-ish. Yeah, there we go. Right? It's been a long time and still her wisdom and, and just the impact that she had through Jesus is still making a difference through me. I love that, and I love gifts that have the ability to, to do that for us, to take us back to, to loved ones and to our family history, and just, I love those types of things. A good present is one that lasts, and everyone knows what it's like to, to buy a kid, you know, a $40 present and watch it just no longer be usable in 30 minutes, right? Like, oh, I have this $40 thing that you have to cover in water and it will fizz and foam and then out comes a stuffed pet that was really only worth three seventy five, right? Like, fantastic. And then you never see it again because it was all about cracking the egg open and watching it grow or, you know, the fire engine didn't get wheeled on the ground. It got flown through the air and it turns out it's not a fire plane. Uh, and it's just like, it's done. And you're like, I'm glad I bought you. That was great. Right? They just don't make things like they used to. We need the cast iron and the lead poisoning and the things that last. You know? But we all know 
what that's like to like you see it the day of Christmas and then you never see it again. Well, the gift of hope given to us by Jesus is not that. It's not that. It's something that is lasting, something that we can hold on to, something that we always have. It is a true companion that no matter how bad things seem and no matter what situation I find myself in, I know the goodness of God. And I know that there is a reason to be hopeful for better days. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It should say, in my opinion, while we wait, but it says waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we still have hope because Jesus is still alive and well and active and he is coming back once again. Revelation chapter one, verse seven says, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Hope in Christ is hope unwasted. Hope in Christ is is hope unwasted. And we all know what it's like to place our hope in a source that doesn't really have a lot to offer us back. I don't need you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you that there's a good deal of you in this room who play scratcher tickets. Yeah, I've done it. Not gonna lie. We, (laughs) husbands do not point at your wives. Okay. Um, but there's a, there's a good deal. I mean, listen, we, we, uh, Jerrica's dad, every Christmas, that's what he gives us for Christmas. And I, listen, I love it. It's become like tradition for me. If I don't get scratcher tickets from Jim, I get upset. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm like, wait a minute. You set a precedent. Where are they? And I will, I'm one of those, like, there's a reason that I don't do this or gamble because I have what uh, you like to call lack of self-control, right? Uh, I have to set really hard limits if I'm ever like, you know, betting on something or like having a, like, just because I get a little crazy. So like, I will play on these scratcher tickets until they run out or I hit it big, you know, which means that I I just eventually run out of scratcher tickets. Uh, But like, I'll play on these things until like August, literally, because I'll just, you win a free ticket, you'll go get another one. This one's going to be the big winner, right? This one's going to retire me. I can't wait to not have to teach anymore and deal with all the craziness. Uh, The reports are true. I'm just saying that probably shouldn't have said it, but they're true. Okay, uh, but like you, you just place your hope in these things that are flimsy paper that have scratch away substances and maybe just maybe will change your life. And before you know it, you're out hundreds of dollars and have nothing to show for it, right? We know what it's like to place our hope in sources that are like that. Things that are flimsy, things that are not trustworthy, things that, that just are not God. But how blessed are we that we have Jesus Christ, and that with Jesus Christ, we have hope that is everlasting. Christ is coming again. It will happen. It will happen. As your pastor, I will never stand up here and give you a date. I will never tell you, well, the moon did this, and the Israel did that, and the other thing did this, and the sea got foamy on a Friday, and so the Lord is coming back in 13.7 days, right? Like, that will never happen. People do that, They're crazy, Uh, no offense to them, 
And every time they say it, I know Jesus is not coming back at that moment because what do they tell us? We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But I do know. I have faith. I have hope. I am sure. I'm as certain as a person can be without getting to pick the day out that Jesus will come back. He's coming back. There's no question about it. And our hope that we place in him is alive and well. And well, not wail. They wailed. We're not wail. Yeah. It is everlasting. It is everlasting. And it is worthy of our hope. It is worthy of our hope. And we need to celebrate that in this Christmas season. And not only do we need to celebrate that, but we need to share it with others. Because guess what 100% of the world is looking for, whether they know it or not? They're looking for a reason to hope. They're looking for something to fall their way. They're looking for something to just finally, for once, please, just work out. They're looking for some relief. They're looking for some success. They're looking for something in their life to improve. We're all there. We all know what that feels like. But we, as Christians, are unique in that we have a source of hope that just continually gives. It just continually gives. And I think that we have a duty to share that with the world around us. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. Lord, I, I know I say it every week, but I am just so thankful. I am so thankful for today. I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for the people that call Crosspoint home. I'm thankful for the ability and the experience that we have in you and just with you, God, and the fact that, that you are a bona fide reason to hope, that when we place our hope in you, that when we hope in you, it is not wasted. You are a worthy source, a legitimate reason to have hope in a world that has a lot of reasons for us to feel hopeless. And God, despite all the things that don't go the way we would like them to go, despite all the hate that we see on a daily basis, despite the loss of life and just the corruption and the self-centeredness and all of the things that we could point to that just cloud everything up. You are coming through the clouds. You are coming through the clouds. It is promised. It is so. And Lord, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of you for who you are and what you can do and how you love us. During this season, God, as so many are struggling, because while this is a joyous time of year and while there are so many reasons for us to count our blessings and to be thankful and to celebrate, there are also so many causes of pain. And there are so many people out there that are struggling right now with loss and who are just suffering. And God, for those that know you and believe in you, 
God, I pray that they will just cling to you as their source of hope in this time. And for those that don't, I don't know how they make it through. So use us to love on them. Use us to pray for them. Use us to be the change that they are so desperately seeking. And God, most importantly, through that interaction, may they come to know you. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Let's stand and worship. If you need to pray, if there's something going on in your life and you just need some intercession, come, see me. Let's talk to God. Come, use our stage as an altar. Go directly to him. Grab somebody next to you. Pray with them. Otherwise, be bold, be brave. Come, let's pray. Let's worship. If you need to know what it's like to have the hope that I was talking about today and you don't because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, we need to figure that out today, right now. Right now. If membership is something that's on your mind, and I know uh, I had a conversation this week for a few of it is, if there's anybody else, come see me after church. I will be around. Last Sunday I had to skedaddle and get all the decorations, which our building looks beautiful, and I'm thankful for that. Reminds me of Christmas, which reminds me of Jesus. And I'm thankful for the effort. But come see me. Otherwise, right now, in this moment, this is time to worship. This is time to thank God. This is time to just sit in your blessing.